Tonight, I want us to understand something that is very, very important. Only a child of God can appreciate the Lamb of God. Only a born-again, blood-bought child of God can understand Jesus being the Lamb of God. And I want to talk to you tonight about the Lamb of God. Once not you open up your Bibles with me, please, to the first chapter of St. John. We're going to be looking at something that John the Baptist said. And any man that would eat wild locusts and, and honey and come clothed up like a wild man, you want to listen to. Amen? John the Baptist ate locusts and wild honey. I'd, I'd, I'd need lots of wild honey if I was going to eat some locusts. A lot of it. Amen. Someone said, well, that's just a, a tree, a locust tree. No, that was a big, juicy, tobacco-chewing locust, grasshopper. Amen. All right, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 1, 1 verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming unto him. And he said... Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Verse 36, and looking upon Jesus as Jesus walked. Wouldn't you love to watch Jesus walk? He said, John said, behold the Lamb of God. When he used for a subject, of course, the Lamb of God tonight. You may be seated. I am so grateful to be able to stand before you and explain to you that nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ can wash our sins away. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's power. There's strong power. The blood of Jesus is strong. The strong blood of Jesus removes sin. The strong blood of Jesus defeats the devil. Jesus came so that he could be, and by the way, he was the only one that could be the spotless Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. I want to first begin by giving a little bit of introduction. The Lamb is recorded all through the Bible. You find in Genesis chapter 4, a lamb for a man. That's Abel. You find in Exodus chapter 12, a lamb for a house. You find in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, and so on, Old Testament, a lamb for a nation. You find in 1 John chapter 1, verse 29, our text, John chapter 1, verse 29, our text, a lamb for the world. And then in Revelation chapter 5, you find a lamb from everlasting to everlasting. There shouted out in Revelation chapter 5. We need to get prepared to understand the strength of the blood of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was an incredible, amazing Old Testament prophet. In fact, he was the last Old Testament prophet. And he proclaimed that the Lamb of God 
there discovered when God made coats of skin to cover Adam and Eve, and then the lamb that was provided by Abel in Genesis chapter 4, and talked about with great excellent sacrifice that Abel gave that was more excellent than Cain in Hebrews chapter 11. The blood of the lamb still speaks, still strong, still powerful, still moving. No tree, and I'll share with you why I'm saying this, no tree can grow except from the root it has sprung. The world has been born into a bad and poisoning root system. Are you listening to me? That's why John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. The problem with this world runs very deep. It is stooped in sin. It is in bondage and lays in the lap of the wicked one, Satan. And I'm so thankful tonight that we can shout and praise God that Jesus Christ has pulled the root of sin out of our lives. Amen? When I got saved, there was major surgery taking place. God removed my filthy tongue and gave me a tongue of praise and worship to God. God removed my uncaring heart and gave me a heart of flesh, tender, wanting to love Jesus Christ, wanting to love God. God had given me feet to walk in the ways of this scripture. And John the Baptist says, the need is so great that the ax is laid to the root of the trees because in the root of this world's system, is nothing but wickedness and sin. We don't like to look at it that way, but you were part of that root system. So was I. But thank God for the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I'm going to ask a few questions tonight, and I want you to listen carefully because it's important that you see this. What did Jesus come to take away? The Bible says... According to John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What was it that Jesus the Lamb is going to take away? You say, well, that's easy, sin. But not sins, but sin. The result of sin bringing the curse upon the earth. The Lamb is slain, and the Lamb takes away the curse of the world. The Lamb, Jesus Christ, takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God takes away the death of the world. Have you noticed the world's dying? Have you noticed the world is rotting? Have you noticed the world is falling headlong into despair and and? Agony, they're, they're losing purpose, losing, losing direction because they're under the curse. Remember the curse that God pronounced upon Adam? From the day you take this fruit, you're going to make a living by the sweat of your face. And when he said that, 
Oh, I wish God hadn't said that. Because work's like a struggle. You got to work. You got to labor. And why is it so hard? Because God made it hard. Can you imagine Adam leaving the Garden of Eden? Can you imagine as he leaves the garden, he walks out into the wilderness, and there's these pesty bugs coming up out of the ground. There's insects coming up in swarms out of stale, stagnant waters. And they're biting Eve, and Eve is saying nasty words. She's mad. She's bitten. Adam, they probably had their first fight right there. Who wouldn't have a fight in the swarm of a bunch of mosquitoes? Amen? But it didn't take Adam long to realize that it was going to be a, a chore to raise food, to live, to toil in the ground. And because of his sin, and of course Eve would have pain and childbearing. She'd be subject to her husband, Adam. And of course the serpent would crawl on its belly for the rest of eternity. Let me say quickly that the snake is just an animal. The snake is just an animal. But that animal is a picture of what Jesus Christ did to the serpent, the snake, the devil. And every time you see one of those snakes swivel off away from you, you just say, there goes a picture of Lucifer. He's crumbled, and his days are numbered to destruction. Amen. Amen. So what was it that Jesus come to take away? I love the phrase, cometh to take away. Isn't that good? Cometh to take away the graveyard. Coming to take away sickness and disease. Coming to take away heartbreak and, and pain and agony. Coming to take away uh, 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 shattered dreams and broken hearts. Coming to take away the pain and agony of this world. Coming to take away the hopelessness and the despair of this planet. Jesus Christ come to take away the scourge that is upon this earth. He come to remove it as he pulls up the root of sin and tells us if we'll trust him and come to him, he'll wash us clean and give unto us eternal life because worthy is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. Oh, I tell you what, it's such a blessing when you stop and think the curse of the world is going to be removed. The sin of the world is going to be removed. The death of this world is going to be removed. All the rich system of poison, all the the unfairness and the wickedness is going to be removed by Jesus Christ who came as the Lamb of God. Well, does the snake still crawl? Yes. Are the pests still here? Yes. Do we labor? Yes. Is there sickness still among us? Is there a curse all around us? But you and I are the first fruits of total deliverance through the Lamb of God that took the sin out of our hearts as believers. Woo, praise the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And so the question is, what did he take away? Well, he took away my sin. If you're a believer, he took away your sin. 
He took away your past. He took away your grief. He took away your insecurities. He took away your fear. He took away your hopelessness. He took away your curse on life. And he gave you a brand new future to live with him forever and ever because he's a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And the lamb that was slain rose again from the grave. And that lamb will take us home, the lamb of God. Amen. He's going to take away the curse of the world. John the Baptist is going to take away sin. Not sins, but sin. The root, the ax is laid to the root of the trees in Matthew 3.10. Remember Jesus when he went to the upper room. And I'll not have you go there, but you, are, you Bible scholars out there. I'm looking at some Bible scholars. You've read your Bible. You know that just before Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross of Calvary, he went to what was called the upper room. And he prepared a Passover meal. And there with his disciples, he washed the disciples' feet. He said, I've longed to spend this time with you. And they took the bread. They took the cup. They spent some time just in fellowship. And Jesus Christ said, I want you to remember me. By this bread, my body's broken for you. By this cup is my blood shed for a new covenant with you. Stop and think about in that upper room. And once again, I'm talking to theologians tonight. In that upper room, what was missing at the Lord's table? What was missing? Well, we know the cup was there. We know the bread, unleavened bread was there. We know the bitter herbs were there. But what was missing? The lamb. And the reason the lamb was missing is because the lamb was sitting at the table. Woo! The lamb was sitting at the table with his disciples. Now, there may have been some lamb there, but the Bible doesn't say there was. And by the way, the bread, the unleavened bread was on the table. Well, the bread of life was sitting at the table. You eat of that bread, you'll never hunger again. The bitter herbs was coming. Jesus Christ is going to suffer on the cross of Calvary. The blood is going to be shed. And Jesus Christ says to his disciples, I'm going, and where I go, you cannot come. One day you'll come, but let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I'll receive you unto myself. You cannot go where I'm going. One day you will, Peter. One day you will, James. One day you will, uh, uh, the apostles. One day you'll suffer and you'll see this. But thank God, Jesus Christ 
went across that Kedron Valley. Thank God he come out of that, that Garden of Gethsemane dripping with great sweats of blood on his way as they arrest him. He says, I am he. They fall back. The soldiers fall back. The temple police fall back on the ground when Jesus Christ says, I am. And they fall on the ground. Peter pulls out a sword, cuts off a soldier's ear. And Jesus had to do Damage control. Put up your sword. It's not how we're going to win this battle. Peter, I'm going to go over there on Golgotha's hill. And I'm going to mount an altar called the cross of Calvary. And I'm going to go over there and mount myself on that altar. And I'm going to lay down my life for the sin of the world. I'm going to lay down my life on the cross of Calvary. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down in my own accord. I'll die on that cross. But three days and three nights later, I'll raise from the tomb. Thank God Jesus Christ arose from the grave. The blood was there, but it was still in the body of the Lamb of God. Oh, they had a cup, but the blood of the Lamb of God was still in the body of Jesus Christ. God's blood was in the body of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ goes to the cross of Calvary, and God's blood is shed out of the body of Jesus Christ. Where the Hebrew writer says, a body thou hast prepared for me. And yes, Jesus Christ is that body in which God formed Adam from the dust of the ground. He made him hands. He made him legs. Adam, the first Adam. He made him after his own likeness, after his own image. Are we talking about the first Adam? No, we're talking about the last Adam. When God made the first Adam, he knew that it wouldn't do. He knew that he would fail. He knew that the root system would be poisoned. And when he made Adam and Eve, when he made, not Eve, but made Adam from the dust of the ground, he said, I'm going to give some hands on this, this man, hands that'll lay on the leper and they'll be cleansed. I'm going to give this man some hands that'll reach out and touch the lame. I'm going to give this man a voice that will speak the voice of the word of God. I'm going to give this man Life, and I'm going to put in this man blood. Now, did he create the first Adam? Of course he did. But when he created the first man, and he said, let us make man after our own likeness, after our own uh, similitude, he was referring to the fact that one day Jesus Christ would come just like the first Adam, only he'd be the last Adam. Woo, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God says, you know, I'm going to step inside of the last Adam, and I'm going to cleanse the leper. I'm going to heal the, the sick. I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to tear up the devil. I'm going to walk the streets of Galilee. I'm going to walk uh, uh, the shores of Galilee. I'm going to walk the streets of Jerusalem, and I'm going to tear up the devil. I'm going to persecute. I'm going to put him down. I'm going to strip him, destroy him, and make him crawl off like a snake. I'm going to crush his head. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Remember Adam when he, he was lonely and he wanted a wife. And God says, I'll give you a wife, but you've got to go into a deep sleep. That's usually what happens just before you get married. <laughs> and, and, and Adam goes into a deep sleep. And God takes from Adam's side a rib. And he makes Eve. Hello? Oh, she's pretty. She makes Adam look ugly. She's gorgeous. Eve is intelligent. She's smart. And Adam is going to be with her for the rest of his life. Because when they get in a fight, she can't run home to her mother. <laughs> Eve is so pretty that she doesn't even have a belly button to put something in. Adam didn't have a belly button. Eve didn't have a belly button. Their babies did. Because the belly button is just a wound. It was healed. All right, I, I, I'll stop there. I, I'm going way too far. But you remember this. Jesus Christ also went into a deep sleep on the cross. And the Roman soldier saw that he was already dead, so he didn't break his legs, but he took a spear, shoved it in between his ribs so a bone would not be broke, pierced his heart, and blood and water came out. And I want you to know when Jesus Christ went into the deep sleep, that last Adam and that spear pierced his heart and water and blood came out. The church of Jesus Christ was purchased by the blood of the Lamb. We are the church of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. So at the Lord's table, what was missing? The cup was there. The bitter herbs was there. The, the bread was there. But the lamb was sitting at the table. I want you to know tonight that the lamb's sitting at your table. You maybe don't know it, but your lamb is sitting at your table. Your table of life, the lamb is sitting at your table. And he wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. He wants you to touch the blessing of God, the Lamb that was slain. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Oh, wait a minute. Let me change my mind. Let's go to 1 John first. That's why I got such a clean mind. I change it often. 1 John, notice what it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. And ye know that he was manifest to take away what? Our sins. And in him is no sin. He's the spotless lamb of God. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. I love this. For as much as you 
know. Notice the phrase, you know he came to take away sin. You know that he's the precious Lamb of God. See, that's, that, that's what you have to, you have to know it to be saved. For as much as you know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold, but from your vain conversation received by tradition of, from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. In these last times for you. Notice verse 18 says, we're not redeemed with corruptible things that the silver and gold from your vain conversation or vain life. And before I came to Jesus Christ, all I had was a vain life. But Jesus is the only one that would qualify for the precious, spotless Lamb of God. Amen. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Purchased by God's blood. Redeemed by the crucified one, Jesus Christ. And so, let me ask you another question. What does the Lamb what does the lamb protect? What it, we know what the lamb removes, the curse of the world, the sin of the world. We know that he removes the death and the, and the plight and the disaster of planet earth. We know what was missing at the table. It was a lamb for Jesus left that table, went to the cross of Calvary and broke the powers of death, hell, and the grave, went to the grave and rose again from the grave as a victor over death and hell and the grave. And behold, I am he. According to Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, behold, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, dangling by my fingertips is the keys to death and hell. Yes. Woo, praise the Lord. Jesus has the keys to death and hell. That means if one of us die and we know Jesus Christ, Jesus got the key to your grave. Isn't that good? And not only that, he has the key not to lock you in hell, but to lock you out of hell. God has no desire to lock you in hell, but he wants to lock you out of hell. I had someone tell me one time, you go to hell. And I said, I cannot. Why? I said, because I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. I can't go to hell. And he was so flabbergasted. He said, well, go to heaven then. And I said, thank you. That's where I'm headed. I'm sure I'm saved. Amen? How sure am I saved? I'm so sure that I'm saved. I could swing out over hell on a blade of grass and sing blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Amen. I'm sure I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But what does the lamb do? What does he protect? We know he saves. We know he delivers. We know he went to the cross. We know he rose again from the grave. We know his name is Jesus Christ. But you find a beautiful picture of him in Exodus chapter 12. And go with me, if you don't mind, to Exodus chapter 12. And I'll show you what Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, 
has done and how he protects us. Exodus 12, 12. Everybody say 12, 12. 12. Woo! Exodus 12, 12. That's good. Notice it says in verse 12, I, I, I figured you could guess that, 12, 12. God says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. The last plague, number 10 of Exodus. Moses instructs them, all right, get ready. We're going on a trip. Get your lamb. Put the lamb up on the 10th day of the month. You keep it for four days. At the 14th day, you slay it. You take the lamb and you put it on the two side posts in the upper post of your house. You take that lamb, what's left of that lamb, and you take it inside your house. You grill it. You don't boil it, you don't bake it, you grill it. And you grill that lamb with its prudence inside. What is prudence? Guts. Hello? I'm telling you, this gospel has guts. Amen? And so God says you take the lamb, you don't boil it, you don't steam it, you grill it, open flame. And he said, you go out and get you some hyssop that grows on the rocks, on the slopes of Egypt. Hyssop was a little plant that would grow up. Remember King David, when he sinned against Bathsheba, he said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. And they took the hyssop like a paintbrush and the blood that was shed from the lamb in the basin. And they would dip that hyssop in the blood and they'd paint it on the upper post and the side post of their house. They'd go inside. And inside the house, they're protected. They're protected from the wrath of God. They're protected from death. They're protected from the judgment of God. If you'll go in there your firstborn will live. But if you go outside that house, your firstborn will die. Great crying in Egypt, great darkness in Egypt that night. And the children of Israel took the blood by hyssop, a pitcher of faith. They dipped it in the blood of the lamb in the basin. They painted it on the side post of the door above the upper post of their house. They went inside. They stayed there. And while they stayed there, they eat bitter herbs, unleavened bread. And they eat of the Passover lamb. And they ate of the lamb. And they ate every part of the lamb they could possibly eat. They even eat some of the fruitance thereof. And the Bible says that when you're through eating what's left, you burn. You totally destroy it with fire. And in that night, 
the death angel went through. God smote the firstborn of every house where there was no blood. The wrath of God came where there was no blood. And I want you to know when I stand on judgment day, there's blood all over me, the blood of the lamb. When I stand on judgment day, I'll be that preacher that preached about the blood of the lamb. Because the blood is strong blood. The blood is protecting blood. And Moses said, you tell them, you roast that lamb with fire. Verse 9, chapter 12, you eat his head and his legs and with the prudence thereof, and nothing of it shall remain until morning. And while they're eating the lamb, they're to put on their shoes. They'll take a staff in their hand. Why? Because they're getting ready to go somewhere. Eat it in haste. Eat it in haste. And they're eating the lamb. By the way, the psalmist said, when they left Egypt, not a feeble one was among them. Why? Because when you eat of the lamb, the lamb heals. I said the lamb heals. Not a cripple went out. Not a broken bone went out. Not a sick person went out. They went out. And the Bible says that when they went out in the night, when Pharaoh said, go, get out of here, because the firstborn of Egypt died all over Egypt, and there's great crying. Pharaoh says, go. Take it all. Just go. They borrowed jewelry from the women of Egypt. They got riches, and they went across, and they made their way to go away from Egypt with their little ones and, the, and their beast. Why? Because the blood liberated them. The blood set them free. I want you to know the blood has set me free from the law of sin and death. The blood of the Lamb has set me free from darkness and fear and the tragedies of life because the blood is a protecting. It protects us. The blood of the Lamb protects us from the wrath of God. Amen. And they went out, shoes on their feet. And the Bible says that when they walked out of Egypt, it was dark and it was night. And not a dog barked. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine when they walked out of Egypt, not one dog barked? That just shows to, goes to show you that Egypt had no chihuahuas. Not even God can shut up a chihuahua. But anyway. And when they went out, no dog marked. They went out in complete silence. Because the blood of Jesus Christ takes us out in complete silence. We don't have to listen to the gainsayers. We don't have to listen to the, the liars and the, 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 the deceivers. We're washed in the blood. The blood delivers us from the wrath. But notice he says, when I come through there, verse 13, the blood will be a token upon your houses where they are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague, the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So God says, when I come through the land, when death comes to the land, when the judgment comes to the land, stay in the house. Stay under the blood. Hello. 
When you're tempted to get out of church, stay under the blood. When you're tempted to get away from the Bible, stay under the blood. When you're tempted to give up on God, stay under the blood. Because the blood of the lamb is the only protection you have to keep you from the wrath of God. Amen. Come on. But look at verse 23. Not only does the blood keep us from the wrath of God, protects us from the wrath of God, but the blood of the Lamb keeps us until eternity, preserves us forever. Look at verse 23. For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. When he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door. What will he do? Over in 12.12 and 12.13, it says he'll pass by and not destroy you. The wrath will not take you, overcome you. But here in 12.23, he says, when I come, my presence will hover over your door. Wow. Everybody say wow. Even if you're not wowed yet, you ought to say wow. Notice it says, when I go, the two side posts, I see the blood, the Lord will pass over. That word pass over means we'll hover over the door. How do you know that, that the Lord will hover over the door? Because it says, I will not suffer the destroyer to come in into your house and smite you. Hello? When Satan's trying to come at you and destroy you, God's presence says, no. When Satan tries to bring you down, God's presence says, no. When you feel like you cannot live forever, you feel like you're going to die and be abandoned, God's presence says, no. Because I see the blood. And when I see the blood, I will hover over your door. I will hover over your mind. When I see the blood, I will hover over your life. When I see the blood, I will hover over you until I get you home. There's a good place to say, wow. Until I get you home. That's what the fifth chapter of Revelation is all about, getting us home. Slain before the foundation of the world. I love that, don't you? I'll close with a little story. I heard this probably 10, 15 years ago. A little boy had caught him a little bird. He'd taken that little bird and he'd put it in a cage. The little boy was kind of ornery, maybe a little bit like me when I was young. The little boy's taking this little bird. He's walking up the street. The little bird's in a cage. The little bird's terrifying. The little bird's flying back and forth, terrified. And the little boy's carrying that bird. And a gentleman walks by and says, what you got, little boy? He said, I've got a little bird. And the man said, what are you going to do with that little bird? And the man said, I'm going to, the little boy says, I'm going to play with this little bird. I'm going to torment this little bird. 
I'm going to play with this little bird, do whatever. I mean, no little, boy, little boys and little girls are not very nice sometimes when they're little. And I'm going to play with this little bird. And the man said, well, what are you going to do after you play with the little bird? He said, I'm going to take it home and get, feed it to my cat. In our vernacular, the roaring lion. And Satan gets us in a cage. Satan plays with us. He torments us. He tries to bring us down. But the gentleman says to the little boy, I'll buy the bird and I'll buy the cage. How much you want for it? And the little boy said, I ain't selling it. This is my bird. And the man said, well, would you take $100 for it? And the little boy's eyes got real big and said, $100? He said, I'll throw in the cage. And so the man reached in his pocket and he pulls out $100. More money than that little boy had ever seen. And the man takes that little bird and he takes it just a little ways away from the young man. He opens the door and he lets the little bird fly out of the cage to go free. That's what Jesus did for you and I. Satan had us caged. Satan had us caged in a cage and playing and toying and hurting us and bothering us. But King Jesus stepped up and said, what would you take to give me that little man? What would you take to give me that person? What would you take to give me these people? And Satan says, they're not for sale. I stole them. I captured them. They're mine. And Jesus said, how much you want? And Lucifer said, you don't have enough to buy them. And Jesus Christ said, oh, really? I'll give you my life for theirs. I'll give you my life for their life. I'll let you toil with me and I'll let you persecute me and I'll let you beat me and I'll even let you kill me but you got to let them go amen Amen. and Jesus Christ did it Satan thought what a deal and then after three days and three nights he said man I made a bad deal because Jesus Christ arose from the grave And the little bird flies off, saying, tweet, tweet, tweet. Tweety, tweet, tweet. And we fly off going, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're singing praises to God because the Lamb has set us free. Isn't that good? Wow. Josh, come and bring us on. Amen. That's wonderful. Wonderful. If you can't sing, you can chirp. Amen. Now, I didn't say you could squawk. Squawk comes from a captured bird. Squawking comes from a a buzzard, a bad bird. But chirping comes from a bird that's happy. Amen. Happy bird. Happy bird. 
We as Christians were happy birds. We once were dirty birds, now we're happy birds. Amen? Before Josh sings, remember the story about the little bird that was on the fence post? And it's raining and it's storming. And the man pulls up to the stop sign, rolls down his window, and throws out a half a bologna sandwich. And the little bird flies down from the fence post and eats that bologna sandwich in that rainstorm. The guy drives off. The little bird flies back up to the fence post. The clouds disappear. The sun shines out. The little bird begins to fluff because he's full of baloney. Fluff. And the chicken ox swoops down and grabs that little bird. And that little bird cries as the chicken hawk is carrying him away. That just goes to show you when you're full of baloney, keep your mouth shut. Well, we're not full of baloney. We're full of Jesus. Amen. How many glad you came tonight? Woo! The Lamb of God. Stand with me.